Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. And, and potholes are one of the things that right now a lot of questions on. What is the worst time? Again, I'm just kind of getting reacclimated here. I've been back. God, it's been just about almost two years now that I've been back. Um, what is the worst season with, you know, is it going cold to hot where the potholes just explode? Right. Well, the worst time is when the snow melts, especially if it, if it melts relatively early, right. but the temperatures aren't warm enough for the uh, asphalt plants to be open. That's not the case now. But normally, like the beginning of April, the end of March, that's when the snow is melting and um, you have a lot of the potholes, okay. but we can only put in cold patch during that time period. So that's a time that you know, you're first seeing all the potholes and the repairs until the asphalt plants are open are just temporary repairs. And I I think that's one of the most frustrating times for us and for the public as well. Because, I mean, you've heard this before. How can they always all feel like temporary repairs? Well, that time of year they are. And, okay, um, right, okay. But the other thing to keep in mind is that a lot of times what people are identifying as potholes many times are utility cuts. And those are slightly different. Normally the uh, utility company will, will go in and do those. But um, it, that's another frustrating aspect is when you know we'll go in and, and pave a road and then shortly after a utility company has to come in, normally for emergency type of work, but uh, we'll come in and uh, cut up the road and then you, you have a newly paved road that looks beautiful except for all these uh, cuts that are in it, and um, the repairs, many times you can tell that, that it was repaired. It looks like a big, right. oftentimes more of a square-looking pothole. What uh, I, I asked this question yesterday because I had, to, I had to go into Port Jervis twice over the past two weeks. I always joking say, don't ask me why. Let's just say I'm living a wild life. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. no, coming back, though, uh, 84 West, mile marker 11, 12. There's a, somewhere in there's like a, I don't want to call it a bridge, but it's almost like it just, because it's not a bridge, it's like a goes from the black concrete to the white concrete. I guess there was like a river there, maybe. I don't know. Okay. There, there is a something I hit that feels like my car is breaking in half. And it had me ask, this is the question, when does a pothole become a danger? Like, what is the, the threshold for PennDOT before, like, you know, do you have to actually see a car? Like, you know, look, my frame is broken. We hit this. And you're like, all right, I guess it's a big pothole we got to take care of. But when does a pothole turn into a danger to everybody? Well, just based upon what you're telling me there, um, that's one that just based on your description that I will, I will hang up and, and call out to the county and have them take a look at it. One, because you're dealing with an interstate, so there's a lot of vehicles that are on that road. You're dealing with an interstate that has a, a high speed limit, so you know it's not like when you're hitting it, you know, maybe a, a pothole in Scranton where the speed limit is 25 miles an hour. You're probably going let's conservatively say at least 55, 60, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, just based upon the way that you're saying that you hit that, um, that's one that the crews will probably want to get out there and take a look at. Now, the other thing is they will need to look, the, and I don't know, was it a pothole? Was it kind of the, the joint between um, maybe a bridge or something? So they'll need to see where it is. And one thing that I would say to people, when you do hit those, and I know the other question is how do you report these, um, to keep in mind, you know, after you go by, there's all these little green marks 
markers alongside the road that will tell you what mile mark you're at. Just take a mental note of that so that when you then call it in, you can really help us identify exactly where it is that you're talking about, you know, eastbound, westbound, what road you're on, and that way they can get out, especially with one like this. Yeah, and this one should be easy to find because when we went by, there's a whole family of uh, deer living in it. It's just, I mean, it's pretty deep. No, <laughs> sorry. Fish swimming at the bottom. No, and, like it's just one of those ones where it, it looks almost like a small scale model of like a war zone, and the the planes came over and dropped bombs. It just a, a big hole, a couple big holes back to back to back, and you know, it, what is, what does PennDOT do to to get these things? Like if if, if people, if, if the drivers didn't report them, what does PennDOT do to survey this scene? Like, wh- how do you guys go out there and track these problems, or is it? You know, are there people just cruising the streets going, this is bad, this is bad, inspecting the roads? Well, one of the things that we do is we have... um a summer internship program, and um, we've talked about this, I think, in the past, where various college kids were looking at going into engineering. We do hire them and some others over the summer, and uh, they work on a number of, of different taskings, you know, uh, uh, looking at guide rails and, and things like that for what needs repaired. But we actually have a, a system, a, a machine in many of our vehicles that will go over roads and measure what's called the IRI, International Roughness Index. And uh, we will send many of them out along the roads and they're actually taking measurements of the roads. Now, that's for an overall road condition that they then look, they're working to say, okay, you know, what are the roads that we need to come in and do a resurfacing program on that type of thing? With just like a pothole, you know, you're driving along on the road and you see a pothole. Um, our, our crews know about those many times, but, you know, quite frankly, sometimes they open up and it might be on a road that, you know, none of our guys travel. And so the public can help us, and you can always report those. Now, there's two ways you can do that. You can always call 1-800-FIX-ROAD, and for the most part, that will take you right to the county that your cell phone is, is connected with, so wherever your cell phone is registered. Now, if you brought a cell phone up from Lancaster or someplace, it may take you to a different county first, but they can transfer you. But for most people, when you call based upon the, your cell phone number, it'll take you right to that county. You can report it, or you can go online to pen.gov, and um, the, as soon as you go there, the very first thing that comes up is, you know, report an issue, report a dead deer, uh, and you can go on there, and that actually has a tracking mechanism in it uh, where we can get back to you, and, and that's a good way to file a, a complaint, a concern as well. Has PennDOT ever looked into, like, partnering up with some of the apps that currently exist that do use GPS monitoring to re- just purely to report potholes? Well, we do have uh, we do some partnership with Waze. Okay. Um, so do we. Our company just like signed a deal with Waze. Uh, yeah, and a few years ago we came out and we and we did some stuff with Waze. Um, so beyond that, what do you mean? Like that type of thing where they're reporting well, it into the other day it was actually it was the first time I hit that pothole. <laughs> the second time I just was like, where am I? My wife goes, keep driving. No, uh, the, I hit that pothole and I, I was just sitting there going, I wish there was something I could open up my phone and push a button. Like just a pothole button, and it would send a signal to wherever we're like to PennDOT, and it would be like, "Hey, here is a pothole." And then if multiple people did that, you'd be like, "Wait a second, we just got six reports of a giant pothole in the exact same spot." That's something to look at because there are apps that exist, and I don't know what the most successful right. one is. Actually, I'll be honest. At first, I thought I thought of a genius app idea, and then I found out there's hundreds of these things. Well, you should have uh, not advertised this to all your listeners right now, and you and I could have gone in on this and uh, gone on Shark Tank and, and promoted this and both retire as millionaires. <laughs> this has already been done, though. We were way late on it. That's yeah, what I found out. Yeah. It's a shame. Okay, so we got a couple calls from somebody who said 1-800-FIX-ROADS yesterday. They, they tried to do it, and they said it, went to, they said it didn't work right. Could that just be an out-of-area phone? 
Yeah, when you say it didn't work, I'm not sure what you mean. It, if it took them to a different county, that only works based upon the phone number. So many times if you call from a landline, if you call from 570-587-whatever-whatever, they know it's Clark Summit, and it's going to take right, you okay. to the Clark Summit address. If you, Cell phones are a little bit different because you have all different numbers, and if you get a different, a different county, just ask to be transferred to the right county, or they can even take the information and put it into the system as well. Gotcha. I, I do have a, just a couple questions and we'll yeah. let you we'll let you go back to doing what you do which I, no if, I, if, if it's me i hide a lot i hide a lot and i just close the door and say i'm busy because that's <laughs> yeah, I, I give you credit because these aren't always easy questions yeah. uh this question there's a uh, middle road uh it looks like a oh i'm sorry middle road is closed in nanacoke to build a roundabout right now okay, okay. Uh, it says no work is being done the question is is that road just permanently closed now no, they're going out there, and I'd have to go back in with so many of these projects, and, and I hate to give the answer here on the air without okay. checking with them on the latest and greatest. Um, okay, here's what I'll do. I will look that up right now. Okay. I'll give you the information, and I will let you put it up on Facebook with the answer to the middle road. Because I know that the, that's part of the um, South Valley Parkway down there. That they're, they're building in kind of a road around Middle Road back to an industrial park. They have that closed as they were doing some work. There was some utility stuff going on there. I'll get the latest and greatest send it to you today and you can post it on facebook and uh let everybody know okay or tomorrow if uh, or yeah that's that's cool uh, okay. and the other yeah. one and it's the number one thing i mean there's a lot of different people texting in about different areas um let's see uh, where's that one schooly avenue in exeter township they say a mess you guys did repairs but it's ridiculous and the, someone said the grinding job on 380 northbound near gouldsboro it's falling apart already uh, I mean, just you can jot them down. You can get back to us. We can, yeah. you know. And now when I have to check, I, I think they're talking about that in Monroe County. That's actually a different district. I could check with uh, the guys down there to find out what's right. happening um, down there. But on 380, yeah, I'd have to check on Okay. That. And the last thing is, and a lot of people are angry. You already know where this is going. The uh, audit comes out. Eugene D. Pasquale comes out and says this money is being transferred to the state police. Now, mm -hmm. I know you didn't sign off. I'm, I'm guessing that's not your position to sign off on this. Where, where's PennDOT's, uh, what's PennDOT's position here? How much did this hurt PennDOT moving forward? It, was it something that it was like, well, it's at, did, did someone at the top cut some sort of deal and then go, we're going to do this, no one will know about it, we'll be fine, and we'll deal with it later? Well, this is something that Anybody who follows PennDOT closely has known that the, I mean, this wasn't like some secret thing that he uncovered. You can go back and look at news stories for years that PennDOT secretaries, um, those of us in PennDOT at the highest levels, right. um, have been saying, hey, the legislature has allocated money that's supposed to be going to PennDOT and it's being diverted over to the Pennsylvania State Police. So it wasn't like they uncovered some secret thing that nobody knew about. Go back probably three, four, five five years, and there's news stories on this. Every time the secretary talks, um, whenever funding comes up, he or she is, is constantly saying, you know, one of the things we need to address is this whole issue of the money that's supposed to be going to PennDOT is going to the Pennsylvania State Police. Uh, yeah, it, it's that's happening sort of at the legislative level, and um, it would probably, it would not probably, it would need to be addressed at that level so um, if it, to not make that, sure that it, it goes where it's supposed to be going. Not that you are going to point fingers, but if, if, if I was going to point fingers, it's Harrisburg? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, you can go by, this is sort of public knowledge, so it's not really pointing fingers, but um, 
yeah, the, the the state legislature with some of the laws that they passed. When they said the money was being diverted, it wasn't like it was some secret slush fund that was coming in and they were handing the money over. The money. It was coming into you know Harrisburg, and the way that the allocation is done out of Harrisburg, the money was going over to the Pennsylvania State Police has been for years, and yeah, it's all part of a, a law that was passed. Um, so it, yeah, anybody can can look this up. You can you can pull stories from okay. three or four years ago on it, and and it's it's by law that's where it goes. I know there was some stuff in, in uh, D. Pasquale's press conference where he talked about the I think it was like six different bridges could be fixed if this money hadn't been diverted. From PennDOT's perspective, was it something where this money was budgeted to be part of certain projects and then that money was pulled and they had to postpone those projects? Or were those projects never officially planned? No, we know, I mean, we're always, Harrisburg will often say to us, you know, if you had more money, if they're looking at a, a funding bill or if they're looking at something like this, or we say if we had this money, we have stuff in, in place that says if, if we, if more money is allocated for Penda, here's where it would go. Here's our top yeah. priorities. Here's the bridges that we would do. Um, so no, it, it wasn't that we were expecting that money and some, you know, like this year, we weren't expecting that money in our budget and it got reallocated yeah. somewhere else. We've known, but we also look and say, if that money was being used for PennDOT, this is what it would go to. And there's a yeah. whole lot of stuff that you could spend on roads and bridges for whatever it was, $4.5 billion. Yeah. And, and look, I, I always feel bad even asking these questions because I've met you. You're a nice guy. You're always available to talk for us, you know, talk to us. And you, it's, you know... No, you'd have to all be monsters to want to leave some of the road conditions the way they are right now. I understand these are decisions sometimes made higher up. And you have to make the best of that decision, and it's your job to explain it to us. And I think you do a good job. And I don't think you're the one signing in making these decisions. I don't know where the answers lie, but I kind of know where to focus the questions now. Right. And one of the things, you know, I had somebody call me yesterday asking, could we get a a crew down on a road that uh, he was saying in real bad condition? And one of the real difficult aspects of what the the county managers and assistant county managers are are always dealing with is Mm -hmm. they don't want to get caught in this situation where they're sort of, you know, bouncing from fire to fire and going from the northern part of the county to the southern part of the county. The more you can work in sort of an organized fashion, the better. And so, you know, when the guy called me and said, well, it only takes a couple hours to come down here and fill the potholes on this road, I went through and said, okay, but you got to understand right now, and I went through, you know, we've got a crew that day, one was on Pittston Avenue in Scranton, Adela Road in South Abington, Winola Road in Clark Summit, Market Street in Scranton, and I said, those are our crews, that's where they are. If they come to where you want, that means I have to. We have to pull them off of something else that they're doing that day. And when you do that, and you get into this kind of bouncing all over from sure. from location to location, it's much less efficient. So, you know, on your question of when does it become an emergency, they will. And so, with something like this one that you're talking about, um, you know, I can have them go look at it. But they try to work in an organized fashion as much as possible, sure, understanding sure. sometimes things come up. They're emergency do, type of situations. Are the areas is is the whole area like broken up into different like you know Lackawanna County or Scranton is like number one and then different towns are you know are areas broken up where they say oh every Monday we focus on this for potholes is there something like that where you kind of know oh there's something in you know Wilkesbury area we will be out there on Friday yeah, well, across the across the state starting at that level we have um, eleven districts numbered one through twelve. 
typical government. Actually, there's no District 7. Um, and then, so I cover District 4, which is northeast Pennsylvania, which is six counties. Then within each county, there's, an, there's a county manager who oversees that county, and then there are assistant county managers who oversee portions. So you might have the southern portion of Lackawanna County, the eastern portion, and so it's broken up into anywhere from two to four right. or five different regions. And so the assistant manager, we like to have them have as much oversight into their region as possible, because they're the ones who are going to really know that area. Right. Um, the, the more stuff is dictated from the top, um, the less efficient and the less they really know what's going on. Gotcha. But, well, uh, but yeah, it is broken up in, in those fashion. And even within that, there are different crews that cover different areas as well. And sometimes you have a crew that do draining work and, you know, ditching work and draining and cutting trees and a right. whole bunch of other work just filling potholes. Um, I'm getting so many questions in here. I'm sure you are. And uh, just uh, the only thing I'll bring up, uh, Sansui Parkway, a bunch of, bunch of texts is saying something's really wrong there. Um, but I, I actually, I, I, you sound like you could keel, go all day with us, and I'd love to keep you on. I'm not going to. I'm going to let you get back to doing what you do. And, uh, you know, we should have you on more. I always appreciate your... You know, the answers aren't always what you want to hear, but you do give us answers and you do try your best to explain. So I do appreciate that. My pleasure. Um, and, and I will tell you, on the Sansui, um, they, the utility company was, was Verizon, just wrapped up some work they were doing there, I think, on Monday. We're going to be going in there very soon doing a, a it's a, not a permanent, permanent, you know, dig up the road, but they will be going in and do some resurfacing on that um, here in the next couple of weeks or so. Can, and it's going to make a huge difference there on the Sansui. Can I probably, can I grab you again uh, for a call next week? maybe to talk about the big project that's about to kick off next month? Yeah, uh, we can either do a phone call or I can stop in. The yeah, maybe stop in. It might be fun. Either way, and uh, that would be fun. It might be fun. And uh, the rule is what? Bring donuts? Is that the rule, Kyle? I forget. No, I'm kidding. You don't need to bring donuts. Yeah. James, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Thanks. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.